You're listening to Secret Truths, Conspiracies Exposed. I'm your host, Mark Willison, along with my co-host, Scott Patton. How are you doing today, Scott? I'm doing great, Mark. It's a sunny day, and uh, there were no lineups at the gas station, so we were able to fill up our car with gas, and everything is good right in my neck of the world. Well, that's good to hear. It's been a little while since we've talked, and uh, in the last few days, we've had this major catastrophic oil spill in the in the Gulf of Mexico here, and and uh, we're leaking 210,000 gallons of oil a day with no end in sight. And so it's uh, pretty exciting every time you turn on the news and you know or listen to the radio. Everybody's talking about this giant oil spill, and you know I thought, well. Yeah, that is pretty. That's pretty disturbing to me. I hate to see all the, you know, all the wildlife that's that's getting affected by this, and all the people's jobs. I mean, think all the fishermen that are out there that are going to be out of work, and and the amount of, I mean, just absolute mess that this is creating. It, it's it's shocking to me. I can't, I couldn't even believe it when I was looking at the pictures, you know, that they were showing on TV and how widespread this is, and it's just like. It was pretty shocking. It made me really, you know, take a long, hard think about why, what's really, you know, what are we really doing with with oil and petroleum and having hybrid cars come a little further, and, you know, like, started thinking back on on stuff and how far we've progressed, and I'm, I got to say, I'm a little disappointed with how, far, with how far we've come. It seems like we're still back at the turn of the century, and, and you know, just going about as if we, we have no idea what we're even doing. Yeah, absolutely amazing. So uh, this is not like a tanker that uh, broke apart and is spilling. This is coming right out of the ground. Oh, yeah. This is much worse than a tanker. Gosh, they would be, they would be so thankful if this was a tanker because eventually it would run out. But uh, they apparently were having some problems with this with this well that they have, and, and I guess they were trying to seal it off, or I'm not exa- exactly sure what what was going on there, but... Uh, Apparently, this thing sprung a, sprung a leak that's coming up from the bottom of the ocean that they cannot control and cannot stop, and it just keeps on coming. And every effort that they've made to try and uh, corral this thing and, and you know get it under control has been has been an absolute dismal failure. Wow. So uh, I, you know, I just I was really it just really got me fired up and, and upset that you know what. I can tell you're. I can tell you're just beside yourself. So we're drink, we're uh, poking holes in the ocean floor, and then we're wondering what to do when we can't uh, plug it up. Absolutely, and of course, there's regu- you know just like in the mining industry, they have regulations about um, you know how how this how these procedures are actually done, and they have these fail safes and stop gaps that what do, what do they call it? They're calling it a. Uh, safety device is known as a blowout preventer. Hmm. And this is basically what, you know, if you're going to actually tap into an oil field and, and drill down into this thing and cause it to release the pressure and flow the oil for you, then you have to have certain precautions in place in case that oil, you know, in case something malfunctions or whatever. And so they've got this, they've got this device that just basically is supposed to seal up the well. And apparently this uh, blowout preventer had all kinds of problems uh, that they knew about beforehand, and even right up to the explosion that happened down there, 
apparently they were there was great concern and and mass confusion as far as you know did the was the well sealing property and the concrete you know doing its job or you know and they had you know there's there's just all kinds of stuff coming out during this investigation of British Petroleum that that says that uh, you know that makes it look like it was a little bit you know a little bit more than just negligence even you know I mean gross negligence almost you know practically. So I'm actually after as you were talking I went over to uh, Reuters just to see what um, there was a poll and to see what people are, t- are saying and uh-huh. I'm actually uh, amazed. And um, so, before I tell you what the polls say and everything else, I want to uh, put it in a slightly different way, in a different environment, and, and just see what you think. Okay? Okay, sure. Okay. So <clears throat> there's no speed, obviously, involved in this because it's an oil rig in the ocean and it's, it's stationary. But we're going to pretend that you're driving uh, a Boxer, Porsche Boxer. Okay. Okay. Sure. And uh, you're going along, and it's a beautiful sunny day, and you're doing what any dude with a boxer would do. You're going way too fast. You're not paying <laughs> attention to the speed signs. You're not paying attention to any safety regulations, everything else. And you wrap your car around a telephone pole. Okay. Miraculously, you're fine. Okay. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then they have a pole, and the pollsters go out, and uh, despite... You wrapping your boxer around the telephone pole, 57% of likely American voters agree that you're still a safe, reliable, and uh, cost-efficient method of uh, driver. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Right. So, Let's see where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> so, despite the, so basically this is the headline. Majority backs oil drilling despite spill. So despite the huge oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico, 57% of likely American voters agree that offshore drilling is still, quote, a safe, reliable, and cost-efficient method of producing oil. And uh, so, you know, it's like, so here's the thing, right? Those people have not really taken a look at it, and they have not gone somewhere and seen this type of pollution. Because, oh, uh, bet you if we were sitting in a little dinghy uh, in the middle of that oil, we would not be agreeing that it's safe, reliable, and a cost-efficient method of producing oil. Oh, just think about how pe- how up in arms people are getting about the global warming thing and watching the polar bears not be able to find land or, or ice to, you know, to fish from. And, you know, just imagine people seeing, you know, video clips of polar bears covered in, well, I guess not polar, not polar bears down in, down in the Gulf there, but... But all of the all of the marine life that's down there, yeah, covered in that nasty crude muck. Yeah, that's uh, that's got to really, you know, make you make you take a take a hard look at what's going on there. It's just insane. So they they asked another question, and 53% of respondents said expansion of offshore drilling would lead to increased environmental problems. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Right? You know, right. I mean, you, you, you triple the number of these things, you're going to have triple of the problems. And, of course, the problem you're going to have is always going to be environmental because you've got oil spilling all over the place. And Absolutely. to me, it's just absolutely insane. I mean, we, I'm with you in, in terms of being indignant. I think that, you know, we should be up in arms. We should be saying, hey, you know, let's uh, – oil is not uh, – 
good environmentally in any any way, shape, or form. You just look at all the uh, empty Coke bottles that are going into the landfills and recycling and everything else. That's a petroleum product. Tires. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you've got acres and acres of tires. There was a tire fire uh, in Pennsylvania, and guess how long it took the firemen to put it out? Uh, I'm Dave, I would imagine, with a that would, that would be my guess. That would be, oh, yeah, you know, they go in and they just pour water on it for, you know, maybe a day, and, and it's gone. Five months. <laughs> what? Yeah. Five months? Five months. I mean, this is oh, a little man. fire. This is a massive fire because they've got acres of these tires just sitting out there in the sun, and the sun gets them really hot, and the next thing you know, up they go. So yeah, you can just imagine how that must smell, huh? Oh, yeah, and uh, it's just, but they just put them somewhere where you, you know, just can't really see them, and away you go. So, you know, the public reaction to the spill and the government's response, you know, they're being closely watched because they've got elections coming up in November, and the Republicans are hoping, you know, to use this to, to get the Democrats out of the Congress, but... Um, you know, I don't think this should be a political thing at all. I think it should be a lifestyle and, uh, you know, a, a total direction uh, conversation that we should be having. Like, you know, do we really need, uh, you know, that oil? Do we really, you know, and where, I mean, the thing is, is if this is happening in the Gulf of Mexico where everybody can kind of see it, and by that what I mean is it's close enough to the United States that Americans are concerned and it becomes a hot issue and so the newspapers and the radios and TV sh uh, stations all cover it. You know, but what about the oil that's being uh, uh, pumped out of Nigeria or the Congo or um, Arabia, you know, the Middle East? Oh, yeah, or Navy. Or Haiti, or Haiti, right? right? <laughs> you know, I mean, nobody's really paying much attention. So, you know, how much of that is ending up, you know, just spewing all over the place? You know, I, I think that's a great point because, you know, if it wasn't in right, you know, right off our own coast and if the stuff wasn't washing up on our own shores, you got to wonder how, how much attention would this really be getting? How much yeah. people actually even care? And, and the sad part about this whole thing because it's not capped yet, right? This has been going on for a number of days. 25% of respondents gave BP positive ratings of excellent or good for its handling of the spill, up from 19% in uh, April 30th to the May 3rd poll. And mm. this is also an example of spinning. Oh, yeah. Because the, the sentence I gave you was an example of how people are manipulated. I was just thinking about it. 25% of respondents gave BP positive ratings of excellent or good, right? So this is, oh, and it's increased. So, oh, and they must be, you know, doing, people think they're doing good. Well, 75% didn't give them excellent or good. So that was fair, bad, and catastrophic. So, you know. <laughs> That's right, absolutely. And I'm thinking, like, why would the writer say 25% gave them a positive rating? Because the previous paragraph was they failed to cap the spill. It's doing 5,000 barrels uh, a, uh, a day, which is 210,000 gallons. I cannot imagine 210,000 gallons. So it takes, what, 10 gallons to fill up your car? Yep. Okay. So that's the equivalent of filling up. Uh, 21,000 cars a day. Yeah, that's still, uh, still have a hard time. <laughs> I know, that's that, a right? tremendous amount. This is every day, and this has been going on for for many days now, and and no end in sight. They've already tried to plug it once, 
And apparently the engineers didn't think about these methane crystals that are forming up in the top that's preventing them from, you know, dropping this cap in, into place and sealing it. And so they're trying, they're going to try another one here, and I'm just, I'm just really pretty shocked with the whole, with the whole situation. And, uh, and I think, I, I think you're absolutely right. The way that it's being spun, and you know, I mean, when they, when you were mentioning that, uh, you know, however many people, percentage of people were approved, to, you know, think that, or I guess approved, I don't remember if it was approved of BP's handling of the situation or whatever, but I thought, you know, they never, they never phrased the question in relation to what, because if you said, you know, yeah. compared to a nuclear, you know, a nuclear disaster or something from a nuclear power plant, how would you rate, you know, this, this fiasco or whatever, people would say, oh, this one's great, you know, yeah. in, in comparison. And so I, I think you're absolutely right. The, the way that they're spinning this is, is uh, they're, they're doing the best effort to, to make BP, you know, not look quite so bad. And I can, I can understand their point. I mean, you know, after just doing a, a couple minutes of reading on the Internet, I found out that British Petroleum gave $71,000 to the Obama campaign, which is way more than they gave to, you know, any, you know, to McCain or Clinton or anybody else. I mean, Obama by far got most. And it was saying that their liability, that British Petroleum liability for, for all of this damage, right now as it stands, is seven, it's capped at $75 million. Oh, so, if, so yeah, that means they're only responsible up to $75 million. So luckily we have this Interior Secretary, Ken Salazar, and he's trying to get the cap bumped up to $10 billion, which sounds like, you know, hey, from 700 and, or I'm sorry, $75 million up to $10 billion, that's a huge increase. Looks like we're doing good, right? Yeah. Well, the projected estimate on how much this thing is going to cost is likely to exceed over $1 trillion. Whoa. So $10 billion is still a drop in the bucket. When it's all said and done, you know, British, this is just ridiculous. You know, them to only have to pay just a tiny fraction of what the damages is going to be, I think is absolutely criminal. And, you know, people need to be, I don't know if we can, if you, you could organize a class action lawsuit or if the government of the world need to get together and, you know, have a, have a punishment party of some sort. I, I you know, I, I, I just, that drives me nuts that, you know, it doesn't seem like anything bad is going to happen out of it. You know, maybe British Petroleum gets, you know, goes bankrupt or whatever. Oh, that was yeah. good. That was the other thing I was reading, is that there's, there's talk in Washington about having, you know, that we might have to nationalize British Petroleum so that they could actually, you know, be able to afford to, to pay some of this money back or something. And I'm thinking to myself, well, geez, there's, you know, here we go again. We've got the banks. We've got the auto industry. Now we've got the oil industry. I mean, the government's like, you know, they're dealing with a full house now. They're covering all the bases, that's for sure. It, it is. It looks very strategic and systematic to me, the way that they're kind of, you know, taking advantage of all of these, you know, terrible situations and then stepping in and, you know, well, let the government help you. The government is your friend. We will take care of you. And before you know it, we won't have it, you know, there will be nothing left for them to take care of. It will all be theirs anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, and British Petroleum, you sort of wonder, it's a multinational corporation and how much of, uh, you know, money gets siphoned off to other jurisdictions where, you know, and it just makes it look worse and worse and worse financially for them, right? But oh, absolutely. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is, gosh, this is, uh, you know, it's, it almost ranks right up there in financial, you know, problems with, with what's going on in Greece right now. You know, it's just, everything's kind of falling apart. It's all shaky and, and, uh, you know, we've seen stock market just, you know, drop a thousand points in one day and back up 500 points and all over the board here and, it's just like nobody nobody knows what the heck to think anymore. Yeah. You know, I've, I've heard I've heard the you know I'm listening to listening to the radio and I'm hearing these guys comparing the stock market now to a casino, and you know it's not really a true stock market anymore. You know it's like the the house is against you no matter what. Well, um, I hate to tell you this, but that's the way it's always been. <laughs> I'm I'm sure it has. I know. I'm sure some things never change, huh? Uh, people that uh, trade on a you know daily basis, they watch the manipulation and they take that into consideration. And uh, yep. you know when you think of the amount of money that uh, the, the uh, Res- Federal Reserve uh, controls and and all those different you know the national I should say national banks, but like the Bank of Canada and the Bank of England and you know, right. the ones that are supposed to be you know setting rates and everything else and they all know each other, and it's just kind of like, <clears throat> you know, a uh, mark can just uh, sell off a few uh, American dollars. Okay, we want to we want to drop a little bit. Okay, and they all boom. Exactly, it's like a bunch of backroom deals going on all the time, and yeah. we're the ones we're the ones kind of left in the dark and left to fend for ourselves, I guess. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, it'd be very interesting to see what happens with BP, and uh, you know, it, it, the other thing too is it doesn't look like this was just a uh, although I, I think it, it sound, it, I'm not saying it's not an, that it is not an isolated incident, but it doesn't look like this was something that uh, was kind of like a big surprise, because a lot of the uh, uh, BP documents that the uh, congressional investigators have been looking through already are indicating that there were conflicting pipe pressure tests. And that should have warned those people that the, the, there was poor pipe integrity, and it could be allowing methane, which is very explosive, to leak into the well. And, uh, Absolutely. You know, uh, two of the tests were conducted just hours before the explosion. So, and and I know you know people working on the rig were probably you know we don't want it to stop it. We don't you know we don't want to turn you know shut down. And there's a lot of pressure to keep going, and we can make it work and everything else. But uh, you know you. You really have to make sure that you. It's, I mean, it's just obvious to me that there's no concern at all for the environment. I I would have to agree with that. Certainly. And that uh, cleanup. I mean, what is it? What do people? You know, what do people have against New Orleans? You know, first you have uh, the, the hurricane run yeah. through there, and now you got this gas bill and, and right yep. beside them. So. Yeah, they're uh, poor guys. I know they've really been taking taking their. Taking their hits lately, uh, you know. I think that I think you know. I think of any you know. I think having gone through the Katrina situation, you know, I don't. I may be completely misinformed on this, but I, from what I understand, there's a lot of uh, rejuvenation of the pride of the people down there. That you know, hey, they're making a comeback, and you know, they're we are still here. Kind of attitude. You can't, right. you know, you can't knock. You know, you may be able to knock us down, but we're going to get right back up and and keep on going and. So I kind of think, you know, like, you know, maybe that's, maybe this, maybe where it's located is a good situation, you know, maybe those people, you know, may, I don't know if, you know, maybe, maybe this is a turning point where people can, 
know, it brought it to, to people's awareness and brought it into the light where people can say, you know what, actually, God, I don't, I don't agree with this. And as much as we need oil, I mean, I'm not going to deny that I, hey, I love my, I love to drive my car just as much as the next person. You know, we all got to get to, get to work or get to the grocery store or get wherever or just, you know, for me, I like to just go four wheeling and you know, some people would think I'm just burning gas for fun and I guess to a certain degree I am. But that doesn't mean that I don't think that there's a better way that it could be done. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the question too is, um, where do you need to go to get the oil? Like, do you need to do offshore drilling? Or, you know, this, how much oil is there in the Middle East? How much oil is there up in Canada? How much oil is there in Alaska? How much oil is there in Texas? Right? You know, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, apparently, from what I understand, the oil in Alaska is, you know, getting sold onto the other market. It doesn't even necessarily go to the United States. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine how ridiculous that would be for, oh, Alaska or Canada? To be shipping their oil off, off, you know, to some, you know, some foreign, you know, third world country across the, across the globe, and we have this huge need right in our own backyard. I just, you know, I, that just baffles me. You know, that's yeah. how you could, that's when you know something's fishy. That's right. That's right. And and I've heard uh, stories that there is so much oil in Alaska, we'd never have to worry about it for hundreds and hundreds of years, but they don't want to drill there. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm a, from what I understand, you know, I, I, I read a book called The Emperor Wears No Clothes. And it's all about how, you know, industrialized hemp was being grown for, you know, for hundreds of years. I mean, our founding fathers were growing this stuff. And, I mean, it's not the same kind of stuff that you can smoke and, you know, get high on or whatever necessarily. But the fibrous product and the, and the oil content of this plant apparently was, is enough to satisfy all of our We'd be able to do if, if the government would basically subsidize instead of subsidizing you know right now farmers are really hurting in this country and they're getting you know they've been getting subsidies to grow corn for I don't know a couple decades now and if they if the government would just come in and change the you know change the rules a little bit and say instead of giving you a subsidy just for corn we'll also give you an equal or or more amount if you guys were to go grow hemp crops. Then we could kill two two birds with one stone by having all the oil that we would need. You know, I mean, produced right in our own backyard in a in a natural, you know, more more sustainable kind of way. And you would also be able to produce all of the fiber and you know all the paper that we're producing right now for you know turning into magazine flyers and advertisements trying to get you to apply for a new credit card or whatever. You know, we're just cutting down literally. Acre, you know, thousands of acres of rainforest, which of course doesn't help the planet to heal itself when we are polluting it. And, and we could, and literally, we, you know, since the turn of the century, you know, America has been growing hemp, and we could literally grow grow a crop in six months and be completely off of fossil fuels altogether. And all of our cars, would, you know, I don't know if you've heard of. The cars that run on biodiesel, they smell like French fries or whatever. Right. But it, <laughs> it's not but a it, bad thing. Just add a little salt and you're, you're good. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Every car is a rolling advertisement for McDonald's. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's really, you know, I, I, it kind of frustrates me that it never gets in the discussion where we have, you know, I mean, you could do the same thing with corn or, or with soybeans as well. I mean, they all produce fibers and oils and, and all of that. But apparently the, the hemp plant, 
itself produces the best oil. I mean, better than any synthetic oil or, or petroleum oil product known for not only combustibility in terms of the heat energy that, that's stored in each molecule, but also the lubrication abilities that it has. You know, you could literally, you know, put gas or put hemp-made biofuel into your car and also have hemp-made lubrication oil, you know, instead of your normal 10W30 or whatever, and you, you know, and then the, you wouldn't have such a huge problem on recycling the oil. You know, people right now, when you go get your oil changed in your car, where does that oil go? Yeah, and why can't it be cleaned up and used again? Yeah, why can't you just, you know, clean it up, turn it back into fuel, and put it right back into your car and, and burn it, and away you go. So I, you know, I, I get really... I get off on a tangent and get really going on that subject because it just it seems like there's all kinds of alternatives out there. And, like, I mean, from drilling in our own, you know, in our own countries and in our own backyard and keeping the, keeping the oil here instead of sending it out into the, the open market to literally converting to, you know, some, some sort of a plant-based oil system. And so I, you know, I, I would really like to see more people, you know, get involved with that and kind of understand, you know, the different options that we have and, and have a discussion and put some pressure on these guys because this, this business of drilling it out of the middle of the ocean and then shipping it across the world in these giant tankers, I don't know. That, there's got to be a better way. Yeah, and when you just look to Alaska, and I'm not saying that you, we should be dr drilling in Alaska because most of it's in uh, wildlife uh, refuge, uh, national refugee parks, Right. But they estimate that there's as much as 10 billion barrels up there. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think Alaska's, you know, proven to be a pretty good model for, you know, for how to do things, how to do things in a, in a more responsible way. You know, you look at that pipeline runs right through, I mean, an incredible amount of wildlife, and you'll see moose, you know, roaming around by this thing. And, yeah. and apparently, you know, people, the people in Alaska have a lot of respect for, for the land there, and including that pipeline, you know, everything is, Everything is kept in balance, and I really kind of like that, you know, that whole that whole model of doing things. And I think that, if, you know, that should at least be, you know, step number one. If, we, if we're not going to convert or change anything, the first thing we should do is just quit letting those guys sell their sell our oil to to other people besides ourselves. You know, we need it, we need it first and foremost, and there's plenty of other oil producing countries out there to to fill the need in the marketplace. So I think if they're going to nationalize a, you know, I, I have maybe nationalizing an oil company isn't such a bad idea. Maybe they ought to do that and nationalize them all or something and make it law that nothing leaves this, nothing leaves here until we've produced an excess and everybody's had their, you know, had their share here. Then, you know, any excess could be exported. And that's how, from what I understand, that's how exporting and importing is supposed to work anyway. Yeah. You, you export your excess goods. That's right. Uh, what do I know? <laughs> well, and Alaska produces a fair bit. Uh, it's almost uh, uh, 3.5 billion barrels from 96 to 2004, which is the earliest, oh. the latest uh, stats I could get. So, I mean, and um, probably 100 million barrels of that. Uh, went overseas to South Korea, Japan, China, Taiwan. Hmm. What a shame. And then and people are talking, you know, people talk about how, you know, China, they're afraid of China and how much debt they own of us. And 
all of this stuff. I mean, they, doesn't it, I guess it just doesn't occur to them that uh, maybe that would be bad in terms of our military strategy to be, you know, sending all our supplies over to the enemy or whatever. I, I don't know. I, I don't get it. Yeah, it's it's a complex uh, situation. Yeah. So, but I guess to uh, to sign to you know to tie it all in, what we're looking at here is a uh, a catastrophe that could have been avoided. Uh, Absolutely. Had, you know, if we'd had the proper uh, standards and procedures put in place, and that and they were paying attention. Yep, that's right. That's right. So. Anyway, I uh, <laughs> I hope that uh, this thing all plays out, you know, for the for the better, and and that uh, they get this mess cleaned up right away. And gosh, you know, I mean, for the people that are that are in those areas, I I feel for you. I would not want that. I would, I would not want that to be my backyard. I can tell you what. No, that's right. That's oh. right. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for it's been really fun, Scott. Thank you guys for uh, for joining us. Everybody that's been listening, please uh, visit us at secrettruths.com and and leave us some comments. Let us know what you thought about the uh, about the show and also about uh, about the subjects that we're talking about. Of course, if you have any uh, any ideas or or input on uh, something you would like to hear, please please drop us a line. Cool. So we'll look forward to uh, next time. That will keep you abreast of what's happening with the oil spill and oil production. And we're going to see if we can't keep BP's uh, feet to the fire. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Scott. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks for joining us.